Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. So I always love to ask this question about once a year, and I haven't had a chance to do it this year, so I'm going to ask it now. Have you, can you think back to your life of going to church? How was it like growing up going to church? What was, what was your experience like? I want you to think about that. And, and, you know, when we think about going to church, you start to think about the places you, you visited. That's why I kind of love this place. It's very bright and a lot of natural light here. The church I grew up in was very dark, and it was very boring? Was, it, was your church boring? Mine was a little boring. And as a kid, I was like, you know what, I'm, I, I want to, yeah, you know, I wasn't into it. And I didn't know that, I don't know that I heard a lot of the sermons, but what was really interesting is our church did have these stained glass windows on the, on the sides, right? And what I would catch myself doing is as, I, as my mind would wander and not pay attention, I would see the stained glass windows and I would notice that they had a picture on them and then they had scripture verses. Now, we don't have stained glass windows here, but you do need to know that here in the next two weeks or so, we will have some very powerful pictures with scripture verses on them appearing on the walls. So stay tuned. Anthony's artwork is going to be a great blessing to many people. But I would look at those scripture verses and those pictures, and I'd be like, there's something to this. Could there be something to all of this? You know, maybe boredom is on my end of the deal, and not on, you know, maybe it's not about how much fun we can have, but what actually is happening. What actually is happening in this strange place? Because think about it, where else do you go in your life, anytime, where people gather in a room, or online, or both in this case, and we sing songs together, and we listen to Lair do a powerful reading, we we pray. I mean, where else does that happen? It doesn't happen anywhere else. And again, it doesn't happen in any other time. This is this interesting thing where Paul today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he makes this powerful claim that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to demons. Now, I don't know if you caught that in the reading because it didn't say the word demons. It said the powers and the authorities, the rulers and the authorities. But all through the book of Ephesians, if you've been tracking with us this, this summer, we've been seeing that whenever he says rulers and authorities, he's talking about them, the ones in the epuranias, the heavenly places, right? And so this is very strange, and all of a sudden everybody's like, now Mark's talking about weird stuff, and now I'm going to be like he was when he was a kid, and I'm going to look for those pictures and see if I can keep myself not from being too bored. We're not going to be bored today. We're going to rock and roll. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. Take a look at these words. Because, guys, my objective is simple. I want you to believe that this is happening now. I'm just going to, that's what we're here for. He says, he goes, look at this. This is Paul. He says, how the mystery was made known to me. We're picking it up right in verse 3 by revelation. So what he's saying is, is I didn't get this out of a theology book. I didn't go to seminary. Jesus told me. Now, I don't know if you've read the story of when he met Jesus, but if you haven't, I want to share a very brief version of that because it's a powerful story. So Paul was a a Pharisee. He had trained under Gamaliel. Now, a Pharisee was someone who knew all the Word of God really well, and they were always right, right? This is how it works. And if you've read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've learned that the Pharisees were pretty much the only group that Jesus tended to chew out. 
No other group did he say woe to you except those religious people who thought they had it all figured out. And that's what Paul was. He was one of those people. And he was on his way to Damascus with letters in hand from the church leaders to round up Christians and to throw them into prison. And he was on his way, and all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. And you need to know, get ready for it, there was kind of a boom, right? It was a thunder crack, and you need to know the lightning struck our house about two weeks ago, and it, it nearly knocked me out of my chair, and it was like that. It was just exactly like that. It was shazam, right? It was boom. And when that happened, all the people were a little bit, you know, they were a little bit like, what do we do? Some of them didn't know what they were hearing or what they were seeing, and, and Paul was just knocked to the ground, and Jesus is there. And he says, why are you persecuting me? That's what Jesus said to Paul. And Paul's like, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. So I want you to put your mind in Paul's mind for just a moment, just kind of go in there and like, like look at what he must have thought about. Because he was very passionate. He knew the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, better than anybody in his class. He was top of, the, top of his game about knowing God's word. And here is the word of God incarnate standing in front of him saying, I'm actually the one who you were trying to round up people regarding. And Paul didn't have a lot to say after that. And so then I love the story because then Jesus then goes to Damascus, which is where Paul was headed, and he meets a disciple there, one of the believers, one of the people who went to church and believed all of this stuff, and he's like, hey, Ananias. And Ananias like, yeah, you know, like didn't know Jesus was gonna show up today. And then he goes, Ananias, there's this fella named Paul. He's from Tarsus. He's coming to town, and he's, you're gonna meet him on Straight Street in Damascus, and then I want you to heal him and recover his sight, because he's blind right now. He's totally, literally knocked out of, of, of reality. And Ananias was like, <laughs> I love this, my favorite part of the Bible. He's like, do you know who that is? Because that guy, I've heard some stories about that guy. And Jesus is like, this is what I love what he says. This is what Jesus says to Ananias. Why don't you go take care of what I told you to take care of? He's my instrument. He's my chosen instrument. What Jesus told Ananias is, I, he's like, you let me worry about all the details, and you just do what I say because he's my chosen instrument, which is ironic because Ananias was his chosen instrument to get the chosen instrument up and rolling. You, you're tracking with me. I am looking in the room at some chosen instruments. I don't know if you're picking up on where I'm going with this. You and I are chosen instruments. Look at this. How by the mystery was made known to me, Paul says, by revelation as I have written briefly. And I always love that. Was that brief? Because that was like a long opening statement. And he goes, when you have read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. You can perceive my insight, Paul says. And of course, Paul is just Jesus' chosen instrument. I was at a Bible study not long ago, and I, said, I quoted something from, from the Bible for, that Paul had written by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're like, well, that's not Jesus' word. That's Paul. And I'm like, well, if Jesus sent Paul, then whose word is it, right? Because it's Jesus' word. Anytime you read the Scripture, they're his chosen instruments. It's his word. That's why we don't stand for the reading of the gospel here at Praise and Worship, because the whole Bible is the gospel. It's all good news, and it's all about the mystery of Christ. And the insight that we're going to receive today is given by his chosen instrument, 
and in parentheses, instruments, that has come to you. Because it's like we were sharing, I was eating dinner the other night with some friends, and I don't know if you guys knew this, but several years ago, and it's been more than a decade now, um, there was this fellow named Tim Tebow playing sports, right, playing football, and he was playing in the national championship game, and he put John 3.16 on his, like, his cheeks where they had the, the eye stuff. And, um, and when he did that, more than 60 million people Googled John 3.16 during that game. More than 60 million people Googled John 3.16 during that game. Now, if you're sitting there going, I think I'm gonna Google John 3.16, I don't remember what that is. It is this, for God so loved the world that whoever, excuse me, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. That's like the important part. You don't want to skip. He sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him. Not whoever lives right. Not ever whoever does things right. Not whoever gets their theology right. But believes in Jesus, the son of the living God. 60 million people plus Googled that. And what's really interesting is then you're thinking, well, who is the chosen instrument? Is it Tim Tebow? Yep. Is it the guys that Google? Yeah, most people are like, isn't Google the Antichrist? Well, now what do you think, right? Is it the guys, is it, is it the guys who are keeping everybody's internet connection going, the guys and gals and doing all this stuff? Do you see how many chosen instruments there are? There's so many people that we don't even ever meet that are part of the process of revealing the mystery of Christ to all people, because God loves all people. Take a look at verse six. What is the mystery? What is the mystery? That the Gentiles, which for you and I, we read that, and they're like, that's a church word. I don't know, it's just like, we just delete the word. So I'm gonna just translate it for you. All the people who don't know God. All the outsiders. All the ones who are not descended from Abraham. All the ones who didn't know nothing about nothing. All the ones that you and I get mad at when we go to the store because we're like, who were, do those people, were they raised by wolves? Yeah, those are the Gentiles. They're anybody who doesn't know. You and I were among them. Now, some of us were different ages, but we at all of our lives, now I understand there may be some Jewish people among us and praise God for that, but the point is, is that if you don't know Jesus, according to this, you're a Gentile. Do you hear me? Anybody who doesn't know, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body. It's always that there isn't an us and a them. (laughs) There's just us. And the ones who aren't here yet are the ones we're sent to. Do you track with me? This is the mystery of of Christ. It's, It's this promise we saw last week. God's plan is to make one new humanity. And we saw last week is very, very frustrating to us, but if we, if, we, if we look out there and we see someone we don't like, that's the person that God wants us to spend all of eternity with on the new earth. That's exactly what this is about. And we're all partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. And there's that word, through the gospel. Because the gospel is what Tim Tebow had on his cheeks that day. For God so loved the world. He loves the world. Why did he do all of this? Because he loves you. He loves you, he loves me, and he loves everybody. You're like, you mean everybody? Actually, the Bible says everybody. It kind of says the world, right? And in the world, the Greek word for world there is cosmos. So you can, I'll let you translate that one. Through the gospel, the good news. Now take a look at verse eight. Look at this. He says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. See, he's, 
He's thinking about how he got started. I started actually holding the clothes of the people who martyred Stephen in the book of Acts. That's where he started in the story. That's his first appearance in the Bible, is holding the clothes of murderers, right? And then he then breathed out murderous threats toward the people who followed Jesus and then tried to get them all rounded up and put in jail because he wanted the gospel to stop, not knowing that this was real. He goes, though I am the least of all the saints, this grace was given. This is one of the reasons I love Paul as a biblical character. Somebody asked the other day, what's your favorite biblical character? I'm like, Paul, why is that? Because he was a complete schmuck who didn't have a clue about anything, and God's like, that's my chosen instrument. He's the, he's the loser. He's the least of all the saints. Other places he'll say, I'm the chief of sinners. And that's the one I want to use, God said. And I'm like, wow. That means that you know, he might want to use some of us too. Because last time I checked, I'm a loser as well. And then I'm reminded back to Steve. Um, what was his last name? Uh, Jesus is for losers. Steve Taylor. Steve Taylor from the 80s. That's why I couldn't remember so long ago. Steve Tyler. No, Steve Taylor. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to do what? To that's the verb for gospel, uangelizo, right? You know, you're like, kazutite, right? And that's what it is, uangelizo, it's this, we're gospelers. Somebody said, what kind of a church are you? I'm like, we're a gospeling church. We're telling the good news. We're not condemners. A lot of people don't know what John 3.17 is. They, they know 3.16, but they don't know 3.17. And 3.17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Whole lot of Christians Love to say something very different. And guys, I want you to know something about churches because we're going to be talking about churches a lot. The devil can't close a church. The devil can't stop the gospel. The devil and all of the rulers and the principles and the, the, the principalities I'm trying to spit out can't stop any of that. If you ever see a church close, there's only one person who can do that. And as God himself, we are called to be gospelers. So if there's ever a church that's not gospeling, then their days are numbered. They're like, no, 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 we're going to reset this. But then guess what? Paul didn't start out as a gospeler either. So God's grace reaches all people. So what happens is, is if people are doing like Paul did, and they're going to say, you, got, you guys are doing it wrong. You're a bunch of sinners. Well, then at some point, somebody's going to come along and say, actually, that's exactly who Jesus wants to save is you and me, the broken people. So we're going to continue to uangelizo. We're going to be gospelers to the Gentiles. And what are we going to do for them? What are we going to gospel them? The unsearchable riches of Christ. In Bible study today, we were talking about what is the offense of the cross? What is the, what is the scandal of the cross? And it is the fact that anyone with no history, no background, or any knowledge of God can be saved. Anyone who's in that burning building can be carried out as long as they don't reject those who are carrying them, right? It's, it's God desires that all people would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That is the offense of the cross because then those of us who have been striving so hard and trying harder and trying to get better and trying to live right and have clean living and all those things, we're like, well, that ain't fair. Exactly. Welcome to Jesus. Welcome to Jesus, the one who loves all people no matter what, Period. This is the unsearchable riches of Christ. Take a look at verse nine. Now, the plan was to bring to light for how many people? For everyone. 
for everyone. What is the plan of this mystery? Hidden for ages in God who created all things. If you and I had been alive during the time of Abraham, we, we wouldn't have seen the full story. Abraham didn't see the full story. Of course, Jesus says he did see his day. So I think there's some special revelation going on through the word of God, as there always is. But the point is, is that not everyone has been able to see this plan during all of history. It has come to light in these last days, the book of Hebrews says in chapter 1, verse 1, through the Son. Right? Jesus has illuminated the Word of God and helped us understand. We said this last week and the last week before, and we're going to say it again this week. If you ever are reading the Bible, this should be a hobby of yours, by the way, reading the Bible. Yeah, get on that. But if you're ever reading the Bible, and, and this is one reason why people don't read the Bible, is because they'll hit something and they don't know what to do with it. I don't understand what that says. Read it through Jesus. Look at the cross. Look at the empty tomb. And then what, what is locked will become unlocked. And we will start to see connections. And then you can come over to the grind on Saturday night and we'll make all those connections work together, right? And what happens is, is the plan of the mystery, hidden for ages in God who created all things, continuing to verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold, which just means many-faceted, wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What kind of a church did you grow up in? You don't have to answer, but you can be thinking about it, right? And, and immediately, I think what happens is, is our minds go to Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Lutheran, Assemblies of God. We're starting to do silos and labels and things that we all grew up with, and I understand all that because we grew up with them, right? Those are the labels, right? The question isn't whether we have those labels, but was this happening? Does your church announce to the demons, hi guys, we're here to teach Jesus. And that means the demons don't have authority. The rulers and the authorities don't have authority here or anywhere else that we go. We learned last week that we are being built into a dwelling place for God. And it ain't talking about the room we're sitting in. He's talking about wherever you go. The Holy Spirit dwells in your body, in your body, in your physical body. The Spirit dwells and has power. And the, the enemy wants us to not believe this sort of thing. You're like, Mark, I've never read that before. Well, that's why we're reading it today. This is bizarre. This is, it was, I, nobody, I never grew up hearing this ever in the church I grew up in. I just heard we need to believe in Jesus. That's a good thing to hear. We need to trust in him for our salvation. Praise God for hearing that. He died for our sins, amen, and he rose from the grave to give us eternal life. That's not a bad set of things to hear. That's good stuff. What we wanna do now is take this a step further because God is unveiling in our midst that this is what we're called to do. Now, a lot of people, when they read this, the reason we just move on is because we don't know what to do with it. But see, this is the beautiful power of the gospel. You and I are chosen instruments. We don't have to fear. When I start talking about, like if I say, hey guys, this fall we're going to do a witnessing class, we're going to do evangelism classes, there's like a whole bunch of people that immediately get nervous. You know, they, they don't want to, I don't want to go there, I don't want to talk about, you know, because in our culture, like talking about your faith is considered like taboo. Like it's more taboo than dropping F-bombs everywhere you go. I mean, it is, it is really considered off limits. You can't proselytize. You can believe whatever you want to believe, just don't tell me about it. Which, of course, that's what they're doing when they say that. But that's another issue. 
So let's not worry about evangelizing to the people. Let's worry about why people are so resistant to it. It's because there are rulers and authorities trying to stop all of this from happening. So you and I are called to announce the manifold wisdom of God to them. To them. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 2, verses 7 and 8. This is, we're going over to another letter here. Um, everybody's like, Mark, that's a bait and switch. We were told we were reading Ephesians today. And we are, but we, I want you to see this other passage, which he sort of opens us up a little more. And he says, Paul does, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Now, the word for secret there, I've, I've dropped it down below there, is Apocrypto, which you can kind of see crypto, you know, it's kind of secret. And then in mysterion, which there's our word for mystery, which he used there for hidden. But it's this idea that it's a, it's, it's a secret and hidden, it, it's a mystery, and it's all in the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is secret and it's hidden. We don't understand it right off the top of our heads. Which God decreed before the ages for our glory, none of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Did you guys see that? (laughs) The plan with the cross and the empty tomb was a surprise attack upon the demons and the the rulers of this world. We We often don't realize that before Jesus ascended to his throne, which is the cross, that the world was under the grip of the prince of the power of the air. That's what Ephesians, we learned in just a chapter or two ago. And here, we're seeing a little more detail about this. None of the rulers of the age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. When you and I talk about the cross and the empty tomb, it makes those evil dark creatures flee. Talk about it. Read about it. Oh, and do a whole lot of praying about it. How can I share the love of God with somebody else? I know. Tell them to put their mask on. That was a joke. Yeah, I don't know if you got that. Everybody's like, Mark, please don't talk about masks. I'm just throwing that out there because that's what we get amped about. We're more worried about what people believe about masks than what they believe about this. Now, make no mistake. We encourage people to wear masks. The point is this. Don't get off track and start to see your neighbor as the enemy. Because your neighbor, the one who's yapping at you and annoying you and frustrating you, they're not the enemy. Because the enemy wants us to not talk about any of the real stuff, any of the things that are important. Back to Ephesians, verses 11 through 13. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him, not through our behavior. You're like, Mark, I really haven't been to church in a long time. Praise God. But do you trust him? Do you put your faith in him? This is where we're at. So I ask you not to lose heart, Paul says, over what I am suffering, because he's writing from prison. Because a lot of people would have said, how can Paul work for God if he's in prison? Oh, I don't know. He's right two-thirds of the New Testament. That's what he did, among many other things. I don't know how many churches he planted, dozens. And so he, he's, he's, like, he's like, don't lose confidence. Don't lose heart over what you're seeing going on in the world, over circumstances that we can't understand why he would allow them to happen. Simply, we wake up each day, and in boldness and in confidence, we ask the Lord, Lord, use me today as your chosen instrument. I don't know what that means or how that's going to work. That's okay. That's kind of what makes you a good chosen instrument. If you have a plan and you've got it all figured out, probably you're not going to be chosen as the instrument for that day. 
Because that's when, because I'm speaking from experience, just so we're all clear. That's when Mark needs to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me put my trust in you. And look what he says. His suffering is for your glory. It's, it's, it's for your glory. This is not for God's glory. Well, guess what God's glory is when you are glorified in him. And that's why it's all part of this process is for our glory. And this whole idea is that when we trust in him with boldness and confidence through faith, do you know what happens when people do that? They change the world. Not an idea of changing the world, not, a, not a, uh, something in the by and by, a dreamy, mystical thing, but a real thing. When people love the ones that they're with and then help them and encourage them to do the same. Please pray with me about this. Father, we ask you boldly that you would let us receive this powerful message, that we would put our trust in you and that we would become your chosen instruments. Not because we have anything to offer, but precisely because we don't have anything to offer. And I ask you to guide us this day. Guide us this day so that when we leave this place or when we leave our homes or whatever, whatever we're doing today, that we would love the people nearest and be empowered to help them participate with you in loving those that are the farthest. Because it was your plan to create one new humanity in Jesus. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. He who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.